listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, this Thursday afternoon. Let's turn to our first topic and guest of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking about depression and bipolar disorder. Um, how are these two sort of often confused? Uh, d- d- uh, because they share some similarities and also some major differences. And I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Eslyn Teragina, a chartered psychotherapist and psychologist with Mind Balance Hong Kong. Welcome back on the program, Eslyn. It's great to chat with you again. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me back, Noreen. Great to be here. Yes, it's great. Now, uh, this afternoon, uh, you're going to talk through sort of the similarities and sort of the major differences, uh, because sometimes bipolar disorder is sort of easily confused with depression because it can sort of include these um, depressive episodes. Maybe if you can give us an outline of, of, of the similarities and also the differences between the two. Um, so, I mean, you've got depression is um, part of bipolar. So depression is um, we're looking at symptoms like, uh, you know, depressed mood, uh, diminished uh, interest and pleasure in things that we used to like doing. Um, but also things like there might be change in appetite or sleeping habits um, and uh, a slowing down of our thoughts, maybe our movement um, and fatigue, general fatigue. And then we've also, um, what I see in a lot of clients with depression, this overwhelming sense of guilt um, or worthlessness. Now, like you might notice, I haven't even mentioned the words um, suicide yet, right? Mm. So um, a lot of people associate depression with, oh, you're suicidal, you, you either think about suicide or death or think the world's a better place without you. Um, but actually, and, and, and you know, the, it's obviously related, but actually it's one of the symptoms. So you can be depressed without having suicidal thoughts. Um, and you can also have suicidal thoughts without being depressed. Now, with bipolar, um, you have these depressive episodes where you experience some of the symptoms I've just spoken about, but um, that's part of it. The other half of the bi is um, manic episodes, so actually very much the opposite, very you know, elevated mood, restlessness, um, sort of an irritability. You might be feeling like there's a burst of energy and you'd be talking really quickly, um, or some racing thoughts, you may be sleeping less. Um, and I think one of the key things of mania that I would say is um, people often have an inflated sense of self-esteem or an inflated sense of own ability. So people engage in more risk-seeking behaviors, um, be that going on a big shopping spree or, you know, going and, and uh, on a drug binge, a lot of risk-seeking or gambling, very risk-seeking behaviors. So it can actually be quite dangerous, even though people sometimes feel that in that manic time because they need less sleep and they're so active they get more done wow so yeah. actually so we, we um, see a lot of we hear a lot of creative types I, I mean now people call it bipolar disorder but back in the day it used to be called sort of manic depression and and they have those sort of as you mentioned manic episodes um where they you know maybe they, they, they don't sleep a lot and and they can get more done um and we see that a lot in in creative types sometimes um so there's i've also read that there's bipolar one disorder and bipolar two disorder what's the differences between those two so bipolar one is what I'm describing now with the mania um, and uh, bipolar two. Bipolar one is more commonly diagnosed and what we more commonly associate with manic depression. 
bipolar 2, um, so some of the symptoms will be considered less severe. It's the first time you're having a manic episode um, and it might not quite meet the uh, criteria of bipolar 1, which is the the um, the one with the uh, symptoms of mania that go on for at least a week. Um, and there's a certain set of symptoms and a certain number of symptoms that you need to qualify for that diagnosis. Whereas bipolar 2, um, if you so will, you there's lower criteria to qualify for bipolar 2 and it's usually if you've maybe had depressive episodes in the past but this is your first episode of mania okay and how long do these cycles uh, typically last for but between shifting between mania and depressive uh, depression so i mean that's that can be very very different um in terms of diagnosis so with depression we would diagnose it if a certain set of symptoms had been present on a daily basis for at least two weeks um with mania it's for the the um kind of elevated mood the high energy levels that would be diagnosed if certain symptoms are met um for at least one week oh, okay um so with these cycles, I mean, do people, um, I've heard of people who have um, bipolar disorder, sometimes they, they don't want to get out of bed and, and they sleep through it and that can last till about two weeks and then afterwards they get this sudden burst of energy. Is that quite common then for, for people with um, bipolar disorder to suddenly um, be out of that depressive mood and suddenly get that burst of energy? Well, yeah, that's that's pretty much um, exactly how it can work. Yes, um, when you're describing the two weeks of sleeping it off, sort of that, that's actually what we would consider a depressive episode, right? Then not being able to leave your room or not being able to even leave the bed, um, possibly starting to neglect your own self care yes. a little bit, not eating, not uh, you know taking showers and things like that. So that would be the depressive part, and yes, that can swing into the the manic part. Okay, um, but how, I mean, can they be medicated? To to are, are they usually medicated, or how does it work to, for the treatment then? Um, so with depression, I, I get with mania. Um, quite often, it's medicated, yes, because it's such a high alert state. The system is so overtaxed um, that often um, the chemical imbalance in the brain has to be medicated. Well, anyway, that's a treatment of choice, right? But um, with depression, that can have um, a, a lot, a wider range of treatments. So, you know, things like cognitive behavior therapy, so helping to break negative thought patterns, um, also behavioral activation, because quite often, um, once once what's we're in a depressive state, sorry, what, what's behavioral <laughs> activation? <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Well, quite often when we're in a depressive state, it's quite difficult for us to even get little things done. And then it yes. becomes a bit of a vicious cycle, right? Because we're looking at all these things that we should be doing. And then we start beating ourselves up that we couldn't even uh, do the dishes or take the, the trash out. Um, and so behavioral activation is is a part of cognitive behavioral therapy where um, the, those little step-by-step -step behaviors are stimulated so that, you know, rather than being overwhelmed with all the chores we have and all the tasks we have, we focus on um, certain priorities and slowly step by step getting ourselves activated towards those. So that can be great in lots of ways. It gives a bit more routine, which is really important for humans in general and for well-being. But also it helps to, um, you know, take away that secondary guilt and that secondary stress about neglecting um, the things that we need to do or not getting anything done or feeling unproductive. 
Yeah. Um, oh, but just, just to finish off with the treatment, I just wanted to quickly add, um, you know, talk treat, talking treatment and psychotherapy can be really effective for depressive um, episodes because often depression comes from um, much more of a core issue, right? So while we can also work with distress tolerance and also mindfulness, so, um, you know, non-judgmental awareness of the moment, uh, acceptance and grounding, um, it's also really valuable to look at, well, why why does this depression come? Why does it keep coming back? Um, it's often linked to previous trauma or um, previous times, even up to tra- into childhood where our needs weren't met. And somehow that has formed certain behavioral patterns and so- certain emotional patterns. So even though there's also medication, of course, available for severe cases of depression and severe episodes, um, psychotherapy can be really effective there. It's also worth noting that when we talk about trauma, it doesn't have to be trauma with a big T. It can be little the, the little T's as well. I mean, it doesn't mean, you know, you necessarily come from a broken home, but it can also mean that if your parents were sort of um, helicopter parents or too smothering, that can also result in trauma. Is, is that right? Absolutely, and and also um, people I, quite I often blame associate it on the parents, though. <laughs> no, exactly. I was going to say people quite often associate this with the parents, when in actual fact it can be anyone that's considered an authority figure. So that could even that could be a teacher, it could even be a neighbour, you know, an adult that might be intimidating to us as children, um, can cause small um, levels of trauma. But of course, there's also then uh, big levels of trauma from you know neglect, abuse, or even accidents and injuries in childhood. Yeah. One thing I'm trying to get my head around, Eslin, and and that is um, sort of good mental hygiene. I mean, sleeping, for example, is really important for for everybody, but also especially for people with depression, because if you if you sleep well, then it sort of improves your overall mood. But then if you've got if you've got sort of um, bipolar as well, where you're sort of alert and got a lot of energy, your brain sort of doesn't stop. You can't go to sleep. So how do you how do you yeah, how how might that affect or trigger um, um, more depressive episodes if you're not actually resting or sleeping? Well, and I think all of us can relate to this a little bit. If we're sleep deprived, um, yes. then we're yes. often quite emotional, maybe a bit more irritable. Um, and, and sleep is super, super important. And that's how uh, people get stuck in this cycle. Now, also, I don't depression you might sleep a lot but you might also have the same problem you might um not be able to sleep very well and so of course the less you sleep and the less sleep you get the more fatigued you are the harder it is to to battle right to try and 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 fight that kind of darkness and the problem with depression is it also it feels heavy right and it can slow down your thought processes and people sometimes feel like they're in a fuzz and they can't really get out of it yeah. Um, and so obviously mania can contribute to um, making us even more wired, interestingly. So the less we sleep in that manic episode, the um, the more wired we might actually get. And it can go as far as psychosis and hallucinations and things like that. Wow. So it is quite a dangerous, um, a dangerous uh, phase to be in because, uh, you know, people can injure themselves people can even suicide a lot of the time people associate uh, depression with suicide but actually in a manic phase um suicide is also common wow what about i mean with things like depression i mean some of the signs we're more familiar with you know a fatigue or people sort of you know that they lose interest and and you know friends and family maybe they don't want to hang out as much but when somebody's got um bipolar disorder um 
it's maybe it's harder to spot. Maybe they're better at hiding it. So how do we notice some of these signs if they're not displaying the typical sort of being withdrawn from social situations? Like they still come out and they're very talkative. They're just quite energetic. How do you distinguish that? How do you know uh, if somebody has that? Well, very much you'd be looking for changes in their behavior. Right. So um, if someone's not usually super talkative and suddenly they're talking really quickly and really are really hyped up, um, you know, look at the context. Obviously, they might just be excited because they got promotion. Um, but if, if it's ongoing um, and and there's no real, um, you know, the context doesn't really bring that out, then that's something to look look out for. Um, also typically in the more advanced stages of that phase, you will notice because people are very, very restless. They're very hyper-focused on something. They're putting so much energy energy into something. Um, and then, like I say, the, the risk-seeking behavior. So if someone, you know, maybe goes, has a couple of glasses of wine a week and suddenly is like out partying for three days straight, binging, um, that could be a sign that obviously something has changed. Something might be wrong. They might be in a manic phase. Now, I really want to highlight that, you know, just because someone's in a manic phase doesn't mean they necessary go to drugs and alcohol yes. <laughs> could be any risk-seeking behavior so i don't want to i don't want that to be uh, assumed from what i just said um but something that i really i found um you know in 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 society in general people use the word bipolar really um in a, in the wrong context so something that i did want to highlight today is that um, you know, I, I'll hear someone say, oh, yeah, yeah, my, my partner's really bipolar. Um, and they mean that someone has mood swings or they might be triggered easily from, you know, yes. normal, like a normal conversation to too. anger and stuff. Yeah. But that's totally incorrect. Yeah, and Somebody with mood swings doesn't mean they have bipolar disorder. Absolutely not. That's right. And it also doesn't mean that someone is even has bipolar traits. Um, I mean, what 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 people are typically describing in that context is that someone might be easily triggered, right? That they might be in a neutral, calm state, and suddenly they have anger flare-ups, or um, or sadness or tearfulness, and it's very sudden. So the people around them might not understand why it's come on, but that's usually there's been a real trigger. It's just that the people around um, the person may not have noticed the trigger, or may just simply not know why the person is so triggered. But it's very different from actually having um, bipolar disorder or even having bipolar traits. Can you sort of cure bipolar disorder then? Is it something that you, you can manage and cure? Well, I think the research is a little bit conflicted here. Um, generally speaking, people speak of bipolar disorder as a lifelong disorder that can be managed but not cured. Um, and typically that uh, that theory goes along with uh, medication to manage the the manic episodes. Now, I do think that um, it like uh, things like psychotherapy can certainly address the depressive part um, and can certainly help uh, clear some of the maybe held trauma or held emotions in that. So in that sense, that can be successful. Um, but there is that chance of that it's a, it's a chemical imbalance in the brain and that these manic episodes may need lifelong management um, yeah. with medication. Yeah. Um, is it quite common? Do, do we see that um, more commonly these days or is it just better diagnosis that people are sort of more understanding um, that, you know, that there's uh, bipolar disorder now. And whereas before it was just a blanket, um, you know, oh, you've got depression, he's got depression sort of thing. Are we uh, are people sort of uh, getting better diagnosed uh, with, with the proper labels? I mean, it's a little bit tricky to say because if people, you know, we, we can't really... 
we assume that, right? We assume that um, rather than it being more people have bipolar or are developing bipolar disorders, um, that actually that we see more accurate diagnoses, right? That's Mm, an assumption we make. We can't say that for sure, of course. Um, Personally, to be honest, I primarily see clients with uh, depression um, or major depressive disorder, rarely with bipolar disorder. But that's a biased sample. Obviously, that might just be the type of clients that I happen to work with. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely, as as the DSM-5, so the Diagnostic Statistic Manual that we all rely on as psychologists um, and also psychiatrists, I believe, uh, that one evolves. So we're up to DSM-5, and every, t- every um, time they... Um, you know, add new research in, some of the categories might be changed a little bit, the symptoms might be more specified. So as research develops, the, um, the diagnosis um, develops as well, our manual develops, and therefore things are better diagnosed for sure. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Um, Eslin, maybe if you can remind our listeners once again how they can find out more about you and Mind Balance Hong Kong as well. Uh, Sure. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, I do individual and couple psychotherapy and counselling. And you can get hold of me on mind-balance.org. So if you go to that website, then you can find out a little bit more about me and also the type of therapy I work with and what kind of um, disorders and what kind of just general symptoms as well I work with. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, um, Eslin. And we've been talking to Dr. Eslin Taragina, who's a chartered uh, psychologist and a psychotherapist with Mind Balance Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. Chat to you soon. Bye for now. <laughs> Thanks, Noreen. Bye-bye.